back to the To The Heights podcast, a production of the Grexley Podcast Network at Catholic TV. My name is Olivia Colombo. I'm a young Catholic changemaker, um, and I am so excited to be continuing this journey of interviewing and sharing the stories of the young people at the Catholic Church and those who minister to them, people who are truly making change in our church and our world. The name To The Heights is inspired by the quote and phrase Verso Lealto by Blessed Pierre Giorgio Frassati, who is a young Catholic um, on his way to sainthood because he cared for the poor and the vulnerable and gave his life in service to the church um, and those who are in need in our world. So the podcast sounds a little bit different right now. Um, all of our past few episodes were recorded. Um, I had a few people ask me, and we're like, wait a sec, are you still like recording as normal? Like, when did you record that last episode? All of the past, like, I don't know, three or four episodes were recorded um, over, like, my spring break in the first week of March, so none of this quarantine business was happening. I was on spring break, um, I was actually, like, the weekend before spring break, last weekend of February, I was in LA at the LA Congress, um, I was, I was traveling the world, um, and then I came back to school for a week, I came home for a week for spring break, I went back to Boston College for three days, and then we were sent home. Um, so I, like the rest of the world, um, and am in a little bit of social distancing, isolation, quarantine, um, which makes podcast recording very interesting and very different. But I am so grateful, um, and just like, I have a smile on my face. I just recorded with Father Cassidy Stinson again. Um, Father Cassidy and I recorded for the first time together at SLS um, in the super cool media feed booth, hashtag van life. It was a hollowed out um, Volkswagen like teal van that they had hardwired like a podcast like sound system recording recording studio into um and that was super cool and so much fun and father cassie and i had such a good time doing that um so we are doing it again via zoom which is the way of the world so um the audio the audio sounds pretty okay to me um but bear that in mind that it was recorded he is in virginia i'm in massachusetts um at the end of a peninsula sticking out into the ocean so internet is as you would expect it's quite the adventure but father cassie and i got to catch up we took questions from twitter and instagram um we talked about kind of catholic fomo and how there's like an oversaturation of catholic media right now which is a good and holy thing um but it is very hard to be a perfectionist in this time and how we need to be gentle with ourselves um and encourage rest um, and be grateful for the resources, but also know that not everyone is built for this online charism. Not everyone is also built to be a hermit, um, so it is okay if we're struggling during this period of time, um, either being a puddle or being in service to others. Um, yeah, no, it was good, good little catch-up banter episode with Father Cassidy at The Happy Priest. Um, so here is our little chat and our story of how recently we have been reaching to the heights. recorded two places we should be fine um we are not here in the catholic tv studio in watertown um we're in my bedroom and where are you father cassidy i am in a different state i am in virginia in my parish in my rectory in my little rectory studio and it is great i am socially isolated or 
distant or whatever you call it. Yeah. Are there any other priests living with you or is it just you in the rectory? No, I've got um got two other guys with me. So there's three of us here at the parish. I live at one of the biggest parishes in my diocese. So we've got what 3,000 3, families and three priests. So you can do the math. Yeah. Yikes. Actually, I have something funny for you about that. So oh, yeah. um, a few episodes ago, I interviewed Faith Payson, who is one of my like really good friends at BC. And she's in the liturgical choir with me. And yeah. she was a life team missionary last summer at Hidden Lake. And she she's staying with me for the rest of the semester. And I was just downstairs with her. And I was like, oh, I'm interviewing Father Cassidy. And she's from Virginia. And she's like, where, where is he from? And I was like, Virginia. Um, and she's like, what parish? St. Pete. <laughs> and she had your kids. Your kids came to camp. That's wow. right. She was their missionary. <laughs> Yay, that's great. That's and, so cool. Yeah, your youth minister, like, Jenny? Yeah, that's right, oh, Jenny Gaysbud. Yeah, like, she and Jenny are friends. And Wait, that's amazing. Yeah, like, such a small world. So, yeah, I, I knew we sent people down there, yeah. Yeah, yeah. She wanted me to give you a hard time. Like, a lot of parishes bring their priest, and she's like, where was he? They can take me if they want. I'll go. Be glad yeah. to. Actually, I, I think we had just moved in maybe when they went this year or something like that. It would either They either happened before we moved in, because um, we moved in the middle of last summer. Um, so I've never actually had the chance to go. So uh, yeah. we'll see what happens. I'm yeah. out of pair. Yeah. All right. What else is new since the last time we talked in January? What have you been filling your time with? Well, lately I'm like trying to help the world not end. Um, yeah, so we're, we're kind of in lockdown like everyone else is right now. This is, we're what, two weeks in at the time of recording this, um, into this, this great experience that is the social distancing of the church in America. And, um, yeah, so pretty much, I mean, things were going pretty straightforward after our last interview, um, kind of eased into Lent. Um, it was really funny because we scheduled a lot of our stuff way earlier in the Lenten season than we normally do. We st we scheduled our um, our big communal penance service like in the first week of Lent. We never do that. Um, and we <laughs> we didn't get as many people as we normally do. We were kind of like, we were talking about it. We're like, maybe we shouldn't have done that. And then the week after, everything shuts down. We were like the only parish that got to have their penance service because of that. Yeah. So, it was great. Um, very providentially, we were able to do some stuff early, but uh, yeah, we're kind of in the same boat right now. I'm just really trying to help take care of people, come up with ways to support people spiritually when we can't get to them physically and, you know, work as well as we can with the circumstances that we have. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's something. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know. And I, so like things were going pretty swimmingly for me too with spring semester and like, settling back into school and all of that. And then we had spring break that first week of Lent. Um, and then we came back from spring break for three days and then they moved us all out. Um, so At I least had, you come back from break. Yeah, true. And like during those three days, like that's when our penance service happened. That's when like we planned, we moved up everything that we had planned um, into those three days, which was very hectic, but also very beautiful. Like I, um, 
we typically have like praise and worship on Thursday nights. And so Thursday night was like our last night there. Oops. Um, <laughs> this is a good thing. So my microphone, <laughs> I'm going to show you my microphone. Viewers won't see it. See how little it is? This is great. So I'm looking at this microphone on her screen. It looks like it's like two or three inches tall, if that. <laughs> Do you want to know what it's sitting on? Um, it is sitting on, is that a candle? Yep. Yeah. Catholic TV is sending me a real microphone. You know, um, like a scented microphone mounted candle or, or a scented candle mounted microphone, excuse me. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that, that's pretty good. This microphone is like from when I was like 13 and made YouTube videos with voiceovers. That's um, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So Catholic TV, Amazon's all backed up. So eventually I will have a real microphone, but we currently have yeah. a candle mount. That's something I have been doing, which is scavenging electronics from all over the parish so that we can live stream our Treadwim liturgies. And I have made this like Frankenstein's monster of a live stream setup for our parish. I've been like pulling bits and pieces out of like TV setups and like all kinds of things from all over the church. It's been awesome. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Nothing's coming through anyone comes back. Yeah. Um. <laughs> How, what, what is your plan for Holy Week? I saw that your church is doing like bags of palms, which I don't think any of the churches in my area are doing that. Yeah, so we did that this morning, actually. Um, we, we handed out palms um, because understandably the company that sells palms said nobody can cancel their orders because everyone would cancel their orders. And so we got all 6,000 of our palms. They showed up in the mail and um, we were like, all right, we have to come up with some way to get them to people. Um, and so what we did was we have a big traffic circle in front of the parish building, the, the church. And so we set up basically a drive-through system. And so we've been planning to give away our Triduum worship aids. We use something pretty similar every year. So this is like last year's worship aid, which is mostly the same as what we'll do this year in terms of music and things. So we basically put like a little care package together. It's like a letter from the pastor, um, music aid, like two or three palms, um, and just like a schedule of everything for the triduum, a couple other things. Just put it all in a bag. And so we all got like, you know, masks and gloves and everything. And we were, it was the first time most of us had seen our parishioners in two or three weeks. Um, so we were able to have people just drive through the circle and give them a bag of palms and you know, say hi. And it was yeah. great. It was actually a lot of fun. Yeah. That sounds, yeah. And you've been tweeting so much about, like, missing your parishioners and, like... Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That... I guess a lot of people don't really think about the flip side. Like, we miss our priests, but, like, you guys miss us, too. I know. Well, it's very strange because, what is, as a priest, right, my whole reason for being now is to offer prayers on behalf of the parish community. And when you don't have a parish community that's showing up to pray with you know like that whole dimension of your own spiritual life as a priest is it's not missing but it's definitely um it definitely hurts you know you definitely feel its absence um and i think that that's obviously got some parallels to what everyone else is going through if they can't come to mass the fact that right we're we're still offering mass we the priests but everyone's separated you know you don't have this in-person sacramental communion experience of that community. Yeah, yeah. That is something I, I want to talk about, like, um, the missing of the sacraments, but particularly, I don't know, we got an interesting question. We we tweeted out an Instagram story um, asking for questions that we'll get to later, 
Um, mm-hmm. And there are some very interesting ones, as always. Um, but one of the first ones that came in, um, and a lot of them are coming in, like, people people are angry on Twitter and elsewhere that, like, we don't get to receive the sacraments, and, like, we're watching our priests get to receive the Eucharist when we ourselves haven't received for weeks. Um, I don't know, but I feel like it's such a confusing time in so many ways, like, on <laughs> so many levels, but, like, I don't know, people are coming out with this anger, and that anger, there's truth in it, like, you should be angry that you and upset and like longing for the Eucharist at the same time. But I think, and then some people are like, get over it. Like this is for a greater good. Like don't feel those feelings. Like we have to like keep each other safe, which there's also truth in that. Um, and I feel like so much of this time, um, I'm now studying social work. Fun fact <laughs> that changed. Um, I transferred to the school of education at Boston college since the last time I saw How many you. majors have you gone through now? Uh, like eight. Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I started as a physics major. No longer a physics major. Casual. Yeah, casual. Like um, a whole other conversation. Yeah, that, yeah, it's fine. We'll save that. Um, but like, one of there's a type of therapy, um, in social work and psychology called DBT, dialectical behavioral therapy, and the whole thing is that like, he, as human beings, we have to have these like competing truths and recognize that they're both true and be at peace with having them coexist. Like we can be angry and upset that we can't receive Jesus, (laughs) like, faith downstairs every time that we watch Mass together, and, like, the priest is, like, distributing communion to, like, whoever's, like, right there. Um, She'll be like, me, me, come to me. I want it too. I want Jesus, Um, and it's adorable, but also heartbreaking to watch, Um, so, like, there's truth in that, but there's also truth in the people who are, like, stop complaining. We need to do this. Like, you can feel the feelings and do the right thing. Yeah, that's my little, that's my social work rampage. I don't know. Yeah, no, I get that though. Um, because it's, right, it's not just about our own safety, like as individuals, like we can't, um, the, the problem with this, with especially with distributing communion is when you, when you put, expose yourself to the illness, under some circumstances, it's very different for like me to choose to go into a hospital to take care of someone who's dying, right? Um, because it's my own life that I'm putting at risk. But there's a much greater threat to like a whole community if you create, you know, even even a very limited sacramental ex- like like experience of the mass, right? Um, and that's what people are trying to balance right now is um, charity. To- it's charity toward your neighbor, love of neighbor, um, not endangering the life of a neighbor. Uh, and so we can't as we can't choose to do that because we're, if that makes sense, we're, we, we yeah. can't choose to put someone else's life at risk. That's not something we have the right to do. Mm-hmm. I can make yeah. that choice for myself. And, you know, we're going to be put in that, in that position, just like nurses and doctors are. But mm, Yeah. How is that working? I've just heard that it's like a case-by-case basis, whether or not priests get to give blast rights. It's been case-by-case in a lot of facilities. Um, some of our assisted living facilities are really locked down where we can't really get in very much. Um, in the hospitals, I think right now, if it's an end of life situation, then and only then will they let us in. Um, and so it's very difficult. Um, ideally, we would like to be able to anoint people before they go in, but obviously with last rites, you don't obviously always have that opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, I'm looking at our list and trying to figure out, like, where we should go next. There's so many good places. 
Um, would you like to tell me about the Catholic Twitter symposium and your goats thing? Oh my goodness, the Catholic Twitter symposium. So obviously, um, many, many people have discovered that the online communities that they're a part of have become one of their major sources of community right now. And for those of us who are deeply in the weeds of Catholic Twitter already, um, it, like the, the lines between online internet friend and like regular, ordinary, real life friend are getting really blurry now. It's very interacting with everyone in the same way. Um, it's just Zoom calls and Skype calls for everybody. So I've actually probably been talking a lot more with all these people I know online than I think I ever have. And it's been great. Like I've actually gotten to know some people a lot better, which has been a lot of fun. Yeah, and yeah. one thing that, um, shout out to Hunter Lansman, um, he put together something that was just delightfully fun last weekend, which is he did a Twitter symposium. And it was literally just a chance for anyone who wanted to sign up from Catholic Twitter to pick any topic they wanted to talk about for 10 minutes, literally anything. Um, and so the talks before me were like an introduction to Inuit art and um, basically like someone fangirling about Audrey Hepburn for 10 minutes. And like there were plenty of other talks too, like history and theology and like misadventures on social media, like all kinds of really, really funny topics that people got into. And my talk was about goats, very apropos for this podcast, mm -hmm. as we know. Yes. And I gave a long talk, a well, 10 minute talk with Sister Bethany about uh, how much I love goats and why everyone should love goats. So it was called Goats and Why You Should Love Them, A Manifesto. Mm -hmm. And it was beautiful and wonderful. And Sister Bethany came on and like talked all about goat showing and that was amazing. She was, what was she, like 2008 Goat Showman of the Year? Goat Showman, yeah. Yes, yep, for her 4-H um, program growing up. She is proof. Yes, <laughs> yeah, she's amazing. But there have been so many, like, so many cool things like that. And just, like, I feel like I'm dealing with, like, an oversaturation of, like, Catholic things online right now, which there's beauty in that. And, like, it's good that people can, like, choose what they want to like participate in but like it's a little overwhelming right now like good problem to have in some way which is um i think it's the the thing you have to fight there is like i guess it's sort of like online catholic fomo like mm. you, you've got this kind of like fear of missing out on all the all the resources and stuff which is good actually i'm very excited um one of the things i've been really happy about is this has sort of forced something i was hoping that we would see in the church in general, which is more parishes being creative with how they can create media and preaching that is local in particular to their community through the media. And that was something that I really, really pushed for um, through the Alberioni project and was really hoping that guys would just try in general at some point in their priesthood is the fact that when you create content that is particular to your community, when you put in the work to speak to your people, the preaching is so much more effective. And that's why people like to watch mass with their own priests, even if they could watch mass from, you know, they could watch a much more elaborate mass with much better production values from like the National Shrine in DC. They turn into their own parish because they know their priests and they want to be part of the worshiping community in their own home parish. And that's beautiful to me. The fact that a lot of priests now just, I mean, by necessity, and there's a sad reason for it, 
but we're learning um, just the technical skills and thinking about the ways in which the gospel can get out. So I think there'll be some fruit from that. My hope is that there'll be some fruit from that where some of this will continue in a way that complements the in-person life of the parish after we are able to return to sacramental worship in this way. Mm, yeah, yeah. I wonder how much of it, I don't know, I've been thinking about that, like how many parishes now like have the equipment to like live stream things um, and even like adoration, like, I don't know, my church, like one of the big, like community centered things that we do is we have a Thursday night holy hour that like hundreds of people, sometimes more people show up to that than mass, which is not good, but mm -hmm. whatever. Um, but like live streaming that people who weren't able to come before are now able to come. And I'm like, how hard would this actually be to continue to do this, um, to keep live streaming so that people like who are still at work or like people like me who would love to like watch the holy hour and feel in touch with the community and get whatever graces I can, but like I'm at school and can't come home every Thursday night. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it'll be an interesting like to see how things fade. And even just in a sad way, I was thinking about like how many like blogs have people started and like people who are like, oh, I'm going to start a YouTube channel now, which we should talk about. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but like people who had nothing before and now like have come up with like something to fill their time and like how sad that's going to be when it fades out. But also like there are different seasons and like people aren't going to be online as much when this all fades out. So like there won't be as much of a need for it and it'll be a testament to like how strong things are if they last. I don't know. Yeah, well, I mean, as as always, I think it's good to remember that it's not everyone's charism in terms of like ministry, right? Not everyone is geared for this ministry wise, because this is something that's like, it's tied into that prophetic mission of the church, right? Um, and so some people are being forced into it and like struggling through it as best as they can. Other people, it comes more naturally and it's more of a something that comes out naturally from their their prayer life and from their own desires for ministry. So I think you'll see both. Um, because it's forcing people to learn how to do things, right? Yeah. And so maybe they didn't think they could before, and so they never did it, but then they'll discover, oh, yeah, it's actually not that hard. Um, so I don't know. I think it'll be both, because obviously the demand won't be as strong, but at the same time, you'll have people who realize that they're capable of offering more than they were. Yeah, true. Very true. Yeah. I don't know. There's a lot there. And I feel like it is important to like check in with ourselves and like figure out what we're actually needing. Like the, the Catholic FOMO is real. Like there are so many like retreats and like, like you could have something at every hour of the day. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. Very easily. And even, I don't know, my priest, Father Sinisha, who's been on the podcast, like he, we talk on the phone like every couple of days anyway, but he, um, my parish is trying to do like move our life teen program online a little bit and life teen is putting out virtual life nights on sundays which is great and they're doing um i don't know if you've ever heard of it but franciscan puts out like a discipleship quad thing it's something they did before all of this but it's basically like college students can get together in groups of four and like meet for like discipleship it's very much like focus like discipleship. Okay. um yeah yeah so they've been doing, I think our parish has like two or three quads already and like has been doing it all year. Um, but then they moved all the high school kids into quads and had college kids leading them as of like 
a week and a half ago. And Father Sneesha was like, you should leave one, you should leave one. And I'm like, dude, like, no, I, I do not have, like, he's like, well, what does your afternoon look like today? And I'm like, I have Bible study at six. I, with our parish at home, I have BC, like women's Catholic group at seven. I have holy hour at eight. I have mass at 10. Like, no. And by the way, I'm taking five classes and working a job remotely. So no. Um, so I feel like it, there's definitely a danger to overcommit ourselves. And like, I don't know, when our real life comes back, like we need to kind of weed out what's serving us and like always be reevaluating like what's needed. Um, yeah. Well, that's the deceptive thing about it is like all this still is real life. It's just like, this is where the whole media conversation comes back in. It's like, what is media? Is it real? Right. But we're, we're getting like this kind of like in some ways watered down experience of real life and it just because we're not physically present. So um, all of the stuff, like it's surprising, like you said, how much stuff does come up to fill that time, you know, not just, and part of it is, of course, we're not used to the routine yet either. We haven't yet figured out how to recalibrate ourselves to the new demands and the new boundaries we have to have. Mm -hmm. um, like I have to be a lot more careful though about making, I, making sure I've got time to go outside and not be sitting down all day in front of my computer. Just because that's where most of my ministry is now is literally doing stuff online because I can't do anything else. Yeah. Yeah. And boundaries, like, I mean, already, I think Tommy Ty and I tweeted back quickly about this the other day, but like already college is so hard with boundaries right now mm -hmm. because like professors can email you at any hour of the day and expect you to have work done. Um, but now it's even worse. Like I have like professors are assuming, oh, you're just sitting around. So I'm going to assign more work and I'm going to assign it to you at 3 a.m. Um, but, but, oh, wait, I have like five other professors who are doing the exact same thing. Um, yeah. And like everyone just expects everyone to be connected to their email, like at all hours now. And like, I don't know, it, boundaries definitely haven't been figured out yet. And even just like, I don't know, not, I'm struggling even with like a to-do list. Like, all of my normal places for to-do list to be or like reminders and calendars and planners like those have all been thrown out the window so like how mm -hmm. do we how do we make this feel more like real life um yeah especially when i've physically moved like i lived in an apartment in boston and like my apartment was my home and all of a sudden all of the pieces of my home are back in my family home like it's weird yeah well there's this whole physical dimension to how we think about things psychologically like we we're we're wired to be more physically present spatial creatures anyway, just like on a biological level. So the fact that all of these physical spaces that we have have been disrupted in different ways, you know, if you're not if you aren't doing most of your work in your office anymore, you're doing it from home, that's gonna affect how you think about it. Yeah. Like is yeah. this your home space? Is it your workspace? Is it your prayer space? Is that everything now? Yeah. Yeah. Prayer space. I actually so for years, I've always kind of wanted, like, a prayer corner or, like, a dedicated place, um, but that's hard when mm -hmm. you live with a family and, or you change dorms every year, um, but that is something that I've started doing, like, I, I've cleared off a space and put all, like, my icons and things there, and Michaela, my youth minister, who's been on the podcast before, like, mm -hmm. she has a practice and has had it for years that whenever she's praying in her room, she always lights a candle. 
Um, and that's like, she's trained herself to be like, okay, candles lit, it's prayer time. Um, so I'm, I'm working on training myself with that too. So you've got a candle. <laughs> I, I have many. It's current. <laughs> <laughs> the microphone wouldn't be very happy if the candle got any shorter, but yeah, don't, don't let your, don't light your microphone on fire until the podcast is over. Yeah. I'll try not to. <laughs> All right. What else? What else do we have? Do we want to start taking Twitter questions? I think we we've should. got some questions. We probably had some more come in since we, uh, since we started. Yeah. All right. What do you got? What do I have? The first one I'm seeing based on this list is if we could ride any mythical beast into battle, what would it be? That's a ridiculous question. And I love it. Exactly. Uh, it's a good one. That came from at James W. Ware. Do you have an answer? Like, do you, do, do you have an answer? Uh, let me think about it for a second. Yes. Uh, any mythical beast into battle. I would ride in the chariot that, uh, so sidebar, if you've watched Marvel's Thor, it is not a good representation of Thor in Norse mythology because Thor in Norse mythology has a chariot that is pulled by two goats that flies through the air. And I would ride his two goats in the battle. Also sidebar about the goats, sidebar about meat goat industry he would eat the goats at the end of every day, but as long as he didn't break the bones, they would just come back to life the next morning and he would keep on riding. So That's, they were both a food source and a source of transportation. That is very efficient. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Boom. That, Your turn. Go. Mythical beast. I feel like I can't top that. I, like in my head, I'm like unicorn, centaur. I'm thinking more like Harry Potter. Like The centaur that. would be a, a, bit of, a bit annoyed if you rode him into battle. He would be very annoyed. They're, they're sentient creatures. Yeah. Then my other thought was um, unicorn. And then th this is this is not as, well, maybe it is as thought out as your goat plan. But like, I do not do blood well at all. Hmm. The battle, no, too much blood for me. But unicorns bleed silver blood, according to Harry Potter. That I would be okay with if my unicorn got nicked up a little bit. So... We have to I mean, decide if Harry Potter is a good authority on this subject. Well, yeah, I mean... Modern mythology, I guess it counts. There you go. Yeah. I, we'll give it a pass. Unicorn it is. Yeah. Unicorn with silver blood. <laughs> yeah. Do you have a question? Um, I've got more, but we can throw I, some more out there. Have you ever had goat cheese? I know the answer to this question. This, yeah. Yeah, I see that. That's from at Marcus Sager. Uh, Marcus... I gave a talk on goat cheese last weekend. Um, hopefully it'll be up on YouTube or Twitter or something like in the next week or so, as soon as I can get the footage. But yes, I am a strong advocate of goat cheese and that's why I cared about goats in the first place. Yeah. Um, my recommendation, it's pretty widely available if you want to try a new goat cheese, is go buy a piece of Humboldt Fog. It's pretty widely available goat cheese, but it's really different than most of the chevre that you'll buy in most grocery stores. Mm. Yeah, I after you said that, I was like, hmm, I need to try that. So my brother is allergic to goat cheese as well, but I have lactose issues, so I can have goat cheese. So you're in the same boat as me. Yes. All right. Oh, oh yeah. Gluten-free Catholics. It's wonderful. Um oh hang on. One one more question that's somewhat related. Um have you ever been you've been to the Vatican, right? A couple of times, yeah. 
So what is the goat pizza place within walking distance of the Vatican? I have glad never- you, Glad you asked. Um, so because of, uh, I, I saw that, so I did a little bit of, a little bit of looking and I'm not sure, I couldn't figure out exactly what the name is, but um, when I stayed at uh, when I stayed in Rome back in June, I went on a sort of victory lap tour of Europe right after ordination. We stayed in a little neighborhood close to the Vatican. And on the Borgo Pio, this is pretty well-known street that's right down on the, the side of Vatican City, um, there were a number of restaurants that offered gluten-free food and gluten-free pizza. And some of the best gluten-free pizza I ever had came from the Borgo Pia. It's a great place to be if you're gluten-free. So if you end up studying abroad in Italy at any point, <laughs> that's directed at you or anyone else, that is a great place to go. Okay. Especially. Yeah. yeah. I I'm think sure you'll visit Rome someday. At some point, yeah. I'm slated to be studying abroad in Jerusalem in the fall. Yeah, you went for the Holy Land. I kept saying you should do Rome. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure I will visit Rome on a break. Like, might as well. You're, you're Catholic. It'll happen. Yeah, yeah. Also, um, like, they have a relationship with the Pontifical Biblical Institute in Rome. So, like, grad school? I don't know. Um, that'd be pretty cool to go to grad school. Like, right yeah, now. That'd be legit. Yeah. Um, as long as there's gluten-free pizza, I will be fine. All right. Do you want to pick a question next? Oh, pick a question. Um, my question, I have a question for you. What have you, have you been part of the quarantine baking experiences that have been going on? I have been like, I, I think we tweeted about this, but like everyone who's baking bread, like it's just so sad to like. <laughs> <laughs> I was just curious if you'd tried anything. Um, I, like desperation leads you to experimentation. Hmm. I made, okay, this is funny. Um, so I have a, I have a food Instagram, which is not very well used at the current moment in time. Um, Olivia C is gluten-free. Um, but I tried, I got a cookbook for my birthday. Um, run fast, eat slow. It's written by a bunch of like Olympic marathoners and like very good but I made superhero muffins, which are basically like the most amount of vegetables that you could put into a muffin and still call it a muffin. We'll have a muffin at the end of it, yeah. Yeah, um, and so I made those, and then Faith made gluten-free like chocolate, banana bread, sugar on top, like so different, and we had them like side by side, and it was very funny because everyone was like, um, do I want salad in my muffin or do I want the chocolate? <laughs> Um, guess which one was a more of a crowd pleaser yeah I mean I enjoyed the other ones very much but I think that's one of the only baking baking fiascos or endeavors that I've had so far have you tried yeah. free bread because I think that we should do I have no idea how this would work I was thinking about this earlier we should do like a YouTube social distance collab of that would be hilarious us making gluten-free bread I have no idea how that would work like, I support it. We both film it. It'll just put it side by side. Yeah. 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 I think this works. We do the, yeah, we, we, we collaborate on the footage. We do the editing together. It'll be great. Yeah. Yeah. I like this. Have you tried any, any gluten-freeness? Yeah. So I don't bake much, but I did learn how to make 
it's not very exciting when you when you say it but chicken soup i made chicken soup for the first time which like i don't know why i never made it before i cook all kinds of other things i like chicken soup i just never got around to trying to make chicken soup myself um and it was really funny because i was trying to do like another call or something while the soup was cooking um and so the recipe I used, uh, I, I was sort of using sort of like a hodgepodge of different recipes and I wasn't following anything very closely because like I kind of know how soup works. Yeah. You put things in a pot, you boil them, right? Um, and so I put a certain amount of rice in the pot thinking that like this was about the amount of rice that should be in the pot and relative to the amount of liquid. Um, got that ratio a little bit off. And so I put that in there, everything was simmering happily. I came back like 10 minutes later and my soup dish had turned into a rice dish. It was literally just like a whole bunch of rice with veggies just cooking. Like, oh, <laughs> that was not what I meant to, to make. Yeah. But I added a whole bunch more broth and like cooked it up again and like it turned back into soup. So that's good. everything's all's well that ends well, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Th that is a struggle. That is very much a struggle with rice. And I made soup, I think it was... It was our last week before, this is funny, um, our last week before spring break. Um, mm -hmm. So like just before we were sent home, I made soup and the same thing happened because gluten-free pasta just does weird things sometimes. Um, yeah, it's hit and miss. It really is. Yeah. And I tried a new brand, which like not advisable if you're like making something new and trying a new brand of pasta. Nope. Um, it did the same thing. It like it became like veggie pasta chili with tomatoes. Like it was not a soup um, at all, which worked in my favor because I went to the LA religious ed conference or Congress um, last weekend in February, maybe. Mm -hmm. And so I was flying and I needed to bring food with me to the airport because gluten-free allergy friendly food at the airport is not, not always great. Um, not always there. It's just, no, you end up eating a banana. <laughs> Hope you like lettuce. Yes. <laughs> like our food at SLS. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Focus. <laughs> um, <laughs> We're not angry, just disappointed. Um, with the, the weird cheese or whatever that was. We still don't know what it was. No, yeah, that, that was a lot. But I forgot um, about that. Oh, man. Yeah. It's, like, it's like one of those things you repress. Yes. Gluten-free yeah. conference lunches. Mm, yeah, no. Um, I, so I was able to make it through TSA with this soup, which you're not supposed to be able to make it through TSA with soup, but that's how little liquid was in it. <laughs> Inadvertently made it travel friendly. That's great. Yeah, so it worked out for me. Um, that's a good save. Yeah, that, that's all I got. Um, there's another food-related question on here that like... Okay. I feel like I'm missing an inside joke, or it's just really weird. Um, can you guess which one of them I'm going to say? I don't, wait, um, I don't think you missed the inside joke, or if you did, I forgot about it. Is mayonnaise an instrument? Yeah, there may be a reference here that I don't know, and Patrick, if, I, if I'm if i just like missing this completely, I'm sorry. Um, that came from at it, it is not Rick on Twitter. Um, and I, I'm sorry, um, I don't know the reference if there is one, but I would make the judgment call that mayonnaise typically is not, but could be an instrument. Yeah, 
Yeah. I mean, Anything's an instrument if you work hard enough. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Like, I mean, I'll I, that statement. I don't know how, like, I don't know, like, it, it would make weird noises if you used it like a drum. Yeah. You use it as like a percussion thing. It's like a slapping sound, right? Yeah. Um, sort of like a wet slap and then you like post-process it in a, you know, digital audio workstation, turn it into some kind of like kick for a kick for like audio audio processing make a drum out of it yeah be great yeah. yeah somebody on youtube i guarantee has made a song with mayonnaise probably and if i find it i'll put it in the show notes or maybe that would be amazing this is what we're doing after this is over after the recording's over we're just googling googling mayonnaise, mayonnaise songs uses so like yes maybe it's an instrument but like <laughs> if you bring it to like praise and worship i might have to leave I'm going to make a musical recommendation that will change your life. Have you ever listened to, this might be before your time, Perry Grip? No. Does that name mean anything to you? Perry yeah. Grip. Um, musical artist in the, I guess he's a music artist. Um, some of the weirder early internet songs that came out. Um, I, think he, I think he came up with the, uh, have you ever seen the Baby Monkey on a Pig no. YouTube video? Yeah, see, this was when I was in college. That, that's like, that's internet golden age right there is baby monkey. Um, Perry Grip has created some amazing internet jingles, including a lot of them about food, including one that I particularly like called It's Raining Tacos. Okay. All right. It's going to change your life. Yeah. And I... or make you lose your mind. Well, I mean, that's not very hard right now. <laughs> Yeah, this will be the thing that pushes you over the edge. Yeah. The taco song. Great. Um, Don't hate me after you listen to it. <laughs> I cannot wait. I'm so excited to hear this. As long as I'm on recommendations, I have a book that people might enjoy in this particular time of solitude. Do and it is a classic. People should read Sayings of the Desert Fathers. Yes. If only because there are a lot of great sayings in this book. Um, if you're not familiar with the book, it's a collection of like quotes and just sort of pithy life stories of the Desert Fathers who were the like original monastics. Um, you know, St. Anthony of the Desert and company, everyone followed his example. Um, these really early centuries of really hardcore monastics who lived out in the desert and their original insights into how to live a monastic life. There's a lot of great sayings in there about finding God in solitude. Um, so for anyone who's like really struggling with isolation, there's some really interesting stuff in there that you might might find interesting, uh, might find it helpful. Hmm. Yes. Yeah. I like book recommendations. Not that I have much time to read currently, but oh, <laughs> I have something to circle back to. So, yeah. <laughs> Therese. <laughs> um, so I ordered Story of a Soul. I had mm -hmm. every intention to read it, and then I moved home. And I cannot find it. <laughs> so it's in my belongings somewhere, but I went to read it the other day and I cannot find it. I ended up finding Interior Castle. Um, so I'm reading that instead. But I'm going to ask, ask, ask Therese to make the book yeah. find its way back to you. I, I don't know. But good book that I have actually read recently. Hang on, let me pull out my handy dandy book too. Return of the Prodigal Son. Um, Who wrote that? Um, Henry, okay, do you say Nowen or Nguyen? What Nowen. camp were you in? 
Okay. I, I'm, I'm, I'm camped now. Okay. That, yeah, that's fair. So, um, Sister Miriam James, her podcast, Abiding Together, they read it for their, like, Lenten book study this year, and um, the podcast episodes were so good. Um, like, I, I don't know, I listen to a lot of podcasts, unsurprisingly, and um, I, like, found myself, like, taking notes and, like, writing down things that, like, Sister Miriam and Heather and Michelle said, and it was really good. And we did it. Um, there was a group of college girls from my parish at home who we Skyped every Thursday um, and like did the discussion questions together and read a section of the book and listened to the corresponding podcast and then would get together and discuss it, which was really special and really cool. Um, and a good idea for people who like have kids like graduate from their youth group and go off and like, I don't know, I feel like Lent is short enough that you can get college kids to commit to something yeah. um, related to back home without like burdening them and like keeping them from like making friends in college and whatever so there's my good book um I will read story of a soul it will happen it better yeah it, it'll that that's that's a great I mean you've heard me rant about it before it's such a good book um I keep coming back to it mm. so here's a quote from lives of the desert fathers mm. In Skidus, a brother went to Moses, another desert father, to ask for advice. He said to him, go and sit in your cell, and your cell will teach you everything. Ooh. That's deep. All right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> a moment of silence. <laughs> yeah. Just, just processing that first. Yep. Yeah. Um. One other thing on the Therese subject, would you like to share what day you found out we recorded our last podcast episode together on? Yeah, it was, um, it was January 2nd, I think. Yeah. Um, it was Thursday, January 2nd. So January 2nd, I completely forgot when we were doing the episode itself, but that is the birthday of St. Therese. So yeah. I like to think that that podcast was her present to all of us. Yes, and we, we ranted much about her. I expressed my confusion and frustration and yes, you know, it's good. Um, all right. What other questions do we got? Ah, let me see. What is one thing that you want to do when all the social distancing is over? Mm, I feel like the, like the good and holy answer is go to mass. Um, <laughs> Indeed. Yes. Um, I really want adoration. I am a big, like adoration is my, I don't know. I, I think we talked about this last time, but like, if you gave me the option of like, do you want to go to daily mass or do you want to go to adoration? Like mm. I would, I would go to adoration. Um, but if I were your spiritual director, I would be all over this question. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't have a spiritual director currently. <laughs> Just putting that out there. Um, I did. Yeah. Um, what else would I do? I don't know. I <laughs> go back to school. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. I have been, um, running and biking a lot more. Um, I'm training for a triathlon, which is like, now I have a lot more time to train, which is mm -hmm. great. Um, but you know, triathlons have three parts. And they're, all of the pools are closed, and the ocean is too cold. That was my next question. It's like, are you swimming in a lake? Like, <laughs> I mean, the ocean is, like, right down the street. But, like, the ocean's a little cold right now. And, like, 
all of the pools nearby are closed. So yeah. Yeah, so I, I'm gonna go for a swim and then I'm gonna go to adoration or in the opposite order. Yeah, how about you? I, you know, I, part of me, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going to mass already, but yeah, definitely going, just seeing all of my parishioners again, like in person, mm -hmm. um, it's definitely the thing that keeps coming back is like one of the things that is most missing right now. Um, so the ability to do that, to, to just have time and community, time and recreation and community, um, like, I've talked about this before. I am an introvert, but that doesn't like being an introvert in terms of like how you live your life. That doesn't mean that you don't need community, you know, like 99.9% .9 of people are not hermits or wired to be hermits. You know, that's a charism. That's a grace from God. You're not supposed to uh, live without community. And even a hermit is supposed to have community through the union that they have with the church and prayer. Right like a hermit's uh, eremitical life is a life lived in deep communion. Yeah. That's a communion of intercession and a communion of worship. Um, and so like, it's, you know, kind of like being in a cloister, you you have this dimension of prayer that's bringing you into this deep union. Um, so it's not a selfish isolation. Yeah. So yeah. that very, so yeah, that being said, what I want to do is like, just go and spend time visiting people. I want to visit my parishioners again. I, I spend a lot of time doing that just in the course of my ministry normally, so. Yeah, yeah. Are you one of those priests, Father Sunisha literally never eats dinner in the rectory? He's at mm. a parishioner's house every night. Yeah, I wouldn't, I don't go that far. I kind of, I tried actually, I, I almost got to that point a few months into my assignment and I realized I actually need to kind of put some boundaries there because I was wearing myself out yeah. um, because I am an introvert. Mm -hmm. And so if I do that every single night, like I have no recharge time. True. Yeah. Um, and so I try and do, I kind of like do it 50, 50 if I can, or like that's where I put a boundary there. It's like 50, 50. Yeah. Mm. Good. Yeah. I like what you said about like, we're not wired to be hermits. Most of us, um, mm -hmm. which I feel like, I don't know, again, with, like, social media is, like, so good right now, but also, like, there's a lot of, there's the Catholic FOMO, and there's a lot of pressure to, like, be productive right now, um, and, like, to be, like, thriving in this isolation, and, like, even just, I don't know, I find myself getting very annoyed with, like, the amount of, like, at-home exercise videos, and, like, diet plans, and things, and I'm, like, I don't need that, like, blasted in my face right now, and, like, right. the people, like, I mean, social media is always a high, highlight reel, except for the depths of Catholic Twitter. Um, <laughs> less highlights there in more real life. But like, especially Instagram maybe is what I'm talking about. And you I try. feel like, yeah, yeah. Um, I feel like Instagram, Catholic Twitter. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It, it's just like an interesting, like everyone's life looks perfect in isolation right now when in reality, like, it's not mm. supposed to look perfect, and, like, it is so messy, and, like, we are not built for this, and that is okay if you just need to, like, be a puddle, and, like, mm -hmm. wear sweatpants, and, like, not be, like, productive by the standards of the world. Yeah, and my, my pastoral sort of addendum to that is, like, don't be a puddle in sweatpants forever, because we're going to be doing this for, like, a few weeks at least, and that's a long time to be in sweatpants. Yes. Um, like, <laughs> yeah. what we need to recognize is that the essential needs that we have 
have not changed. Mm -hmm. But the way in which you're going to meet those needs has changed and you have to seriously invest some time in rebuilding new habits and rebuilding new boundaries for yourself that will allow you to meet those needs in a different environment. Um, I mean, you can think about this by way of analogy. Like I'm sure you went through a period of transition when you got to college the first time. Mm -hmm. And you even go through it when you just move back and forth from holidays. Yeah. Like there's always some kind of hang time where you're getting the hang of living a life in a certain routine again. Mm -hmm. Right. So same deal right now. It's like all of us have been disrupted from our routines and that has a psychological effect and a spiritual effect that you have to, it's not bad that you are struggling, but that doesn't mean that like there isn't a need to make an effort to work to restore some order. So just be attentive to that. Be attentive to the fact that all of us, every single one of us, me, you, every person who's listening, we do need a routine of prayer. And just because you can't meet that need the same way you have before doesn't mean it's not possible. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Good insight. And also that like you have your period of sweatpants, but like don't compare it. Like how long you need to transition like can't necessarily be compared to other people and how long they need to transition. Yeah. Um, yeah. And even though the, the world is like kind of doing this thing, like all at the same time, a little bit, like we all moved home from college at different times. We all started self-isolating at different times, depending on where we live and like all of these different factors. Like, I don't know. Like, yeah, my goodness, it's not a competition, you know, yeah. we're all in this together. This is a, yeah. this is a team effort to mm -hmm. try and survive and, you know, thrive if we can. Yeah. So. Yeah. And with like the oversaturation of like Catholic events and live streams and everything, like, I don't know, it can be, you need to remember that like, if you just can't bring yourself, like watch Sunday mass and like everything else is extra, like get around to building up that routine again and finding what works, like mm -hmm. when you can and when and it happens. In some sense, I mean, even watching Sunday mass in that sense is extra. Like, it's just not the same. I think we have to recognize that, like, that's, we, we're not, the way in which we are meant to encounter the liturgy is in a personal and sacramental way. And the fact that we can't do that, like, I don't think, it, it definitely is not bad if you're, like, trying to watch Mass and it is not your thing and it's not working for you as a spiritual experience and it's just painful. Like, that's, that's pretty normal and okay. Um, so I think that's good to acknowledge as well. Mm. It's just not, that's not the way we're meant to encounter it. Yeah. Uh, which yeah. is why I think most places that have resisted doing live stream liturgies and stuff in many cases have done so because they don't want to give people the wrong idea. Yeah. Yeah. Or like, I don't know, if you're not going to do it the whole way, like don't do it at all. Don't, mm -hmm. don't do it halfway. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, hang in there guys. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. a, it's a struggle for everyone right now, but just keep, like like bring it to prayer ask god what he wants you to do with the circumstances you're in because some people will be called to more solitude right now and some people will be called to more service and like depending on who you are and what your life is like and what your state in life is that's going to look all kinds of different ways so be open to having a different role in your community right now like yeah, yeah. i thought about what we said in the last podcast we did together i was like this is going to be my year of video. And like <laughs> about a week into this, I was thinking, oh man, I, I know I said that, but not like this. Yeah. 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 I wanted that to be my choice. I didn't want to be forced. I know. Yeah. Like you didn't have to 
didn't have to cause a societal cataclysm to make me do it. Yeah. Yeah, literally. Um, all right. What other questions do we got? That was good. That was very good. Mm. Do you want a fun question? Cause I got, yeah, that. give me a fun question. I got, I was going to ask this anyway, but I got this on Instagram. Um, if you could be any type of goat, what type of goat would you be? Oh man. Um, had a lesson on types of goats from your talk. What would I be? Um, let me think about that for just a second. I would probably be a La Mancha. Reasoning? They are earless and funny looking and frisky creatures and very friendly. And I think if I were going to be a goat, I would rather be like a really friendly, slightly odd looking one than like a big cantankerous one. Yeah, that's so, fair. I identify as a La Mancha as my spirit animal. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I can see that. What um, kind of goat would you be? I feel like, all right. You're so paying attention to my talk. Yes. Um, I had I had two initial reactions to that. The first one was a little self-deprecating, and then the second one is real. So the first one, I was thinking about, like, the, um, like, crosses, crossbreeding that, like, Sister Bethany's family was, like, involved in, and how, like, they're not really good for anything because they like, I don't know, they're not, they're not completely a meat goat, not completely for milk. Like <laughs> they have their hand in a lot of things, but they're not perfectly good at any of them. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel like I identify with that at certain points in time. Um, but that is a self-deprecating answer. And thus I will make my answer a Nigerian dwarf goat because I am small and they are small and I identify with that. Nice. They're, they're a wonderful breed of goat. Yeah. My elementary school librarian lives on a farm nearby, and she was obsessed with them. So that was, like, the only species of goat that I knew for a very long time. Um, and well, it's that beautiful combination of cuteness and practicality. Like, what's not to love about a Nigerian dwarf goat? Yeah. See? Yeah. <laughs> that makes me feel better than being some useless crossbreed that's only good for show. <laughs> yeah pretty much yeah, yeah. okay that was a fun question what other questions do we got um i didn't get any of the stuff from instagram so you got all that okay what are your thoughts on tiktok my thoughts on tiktok um i think it is a it's an interesting platform um i think to do much i i'm always thinking about things you know as a priest in terms of evangelizing potential um, I think you have to be creative with how you use it if you're going to use it that way. And you can do it one of two ways. One is you can try and play into the tropes of the system. And you just have to be comfortable with the fact that you're going to look pretty ridiculous if you do that. Um, so you have to walk that line of like being funny, but not weird. Mm -hmm. You know, like know, know yourself, know what you can and can't manage. Like there are some Franciscans who are putting out a couple videos right now who are just like hilarious to me. Um, and that honestly, like that whole, that whole slightly goofy off the wall spirit, um, that's very characteristic of their community. I know a lot of those Capuchin friars and like, that's just kind of how they are in general. So mm -hmm. like that didn't surprise me to see that come from them. If the Dominicans did that, I would think it was weird because the Dominicans never do anything like that. Mm -hmm. um, so if any of you guys are listening, don't do it. <laughs> so like you with anyone it's like you just know yourself know what what uh know how you're gonna use it 
and how to be yourself on it. That's true for any media. Um, in general, I mean, I think right now it's more of an entertainment platform. Yeah. You know, it's not as much of a general, general use, general purpose kind of platform as a lot of the other social media is. And I think you have to be realistic about that. So you yeah, can also yeah. just completely ignore all the standards and all the tropes and to, um, you know, you can just post educational content on there if you want. But, you know, don't be surprised if it doesn't get as much attention. Mm, true. Yeah. Because you have to know your audience. and Yeah. Your audience know who's on there. Know the demographics. Same use as any other media. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like I have mixed feelings on it. Like, I don't know. I have younger siblings and younger cousins and like the amount of TikTok dances that happen in this house are absurd. Um, uh, that's a good question, right? So this is a, this is a whole nother issue, which is family media literacy. Mm. Like a lot of families, a lot of parents out there are going to just let their kids get TikTok because all their classmates are getting TikTok and they're going to let them use it with no boundaries and let them do whatever they want. And that's a bad idea. Like you should always know and monitor and be aware of the media consumption mm -hmm. of your family, of your children. Yes. Yeah. That for sure. And like, they're like, TikTok is not always wholesome, and that's mm -mm. putting it lightly. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I don't know. So, like, do you want to just, like, part of me just wants to, like, write it off and be like, this is not a place where we should be hanging out. This is not a demographic that, like, wants to be reached. It's, like, people killing time during their quarantine, and it's, like, 13-year-old girls doing so. So, like, let them have their platform and, like, populate elsewhere. Mm. Or do we go into that, which is probably, like, I don't know. Like the daughters of St. Paul are, I feel like they're doing a pretty good job um, of like going into that and like meeting those, that demographic where they're at and like trying to like raise this cultural standard. Of right. That but I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's all of those things. It's, um, I don't think it's bad to let kids have some degree of engagement with a platform necessarily. Right, but it has to be placed in the context of their upbringing as children. Like you have to recognize that they're not fully formed yet in their ability to discern the good. Mm -hmm. um, and so that means that their parents do need to be involved. Like it's not like they're being allowed to be completely free and an adult in any other area of their lives right now. There's a certain amount of past of parental oversight and engagement and involvement in all these other areas of their life. They have mentors. Why should they not have mentors in this other dimension of their lives, right? Yeah, true. Um, and so I, I don't think we should write it off. I think we should be attentive to it, but we should be attentive to the fact that as with any experience of the media, there have to be boundaries. Mm. And in this case, right, the kids can't be the one to set the boundaries. That's the challenge is we think, like, I'm an adult. I set my own boundaries for Facebook or, you know, how I use my email. Well, okay but your 13 year old hasn't learned how to set boundaries yet. Yeah. And they're coming to experience this media much younger than you were. Mm -hmm. And so you can't raise them to encounter it the way that you encountered it. The world doesn't work that way anymore. Yeah. Yep. That's all of that. <laughs> yeah. I have I, feelings about this. Okay. Yeah. No, that that's so, yeah, we need more of that. Um, yeah. And like, even, even I'm realizing my brother's 15 um, and is very mature and whatnot and is like a full foot taller than me, which is why I'm a Nigerian dwarf goat um, <laughs> at heart. Um, but like even the difference in between like 
what I like my upbringing with technology and his like it is changing so insanely fast um that I I I don't have envy for parents who are trying to keep up with that um and trying to parent something that changes so quickly um it's rough yeah all right what do you have any other questions on Twitter? I've kind of exhausted Instagram. I started to get weird like spam responses on Instagram, which has never happened to me before. That's a good question. You know, um, not sure. Not sure where that came from. No, nope, I don't really have anything more for the moment. Yeah, no, there's not, not too many else. We, we hit the highlights. I'll put it that way. Oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah. All right. Do you have anything else for the podcast? This was this was a very anything else for the good people of God. Um, yeah. When are when are people going to be listening to this? Monday, two days. This coming Monday. Yeah. So I hope they enjoy the Sundays. I cannot believe it's Holy Week already. Yeah. Like, that is insane. So my reflection. I guess I'll close with my kind of some of my musings on Holy Week. Um, like in some ways, I think this will be a really good time for us as a church to meditate on the experience of the apostles during Holy Week. Mm. And the reason I think that is because the mystery and the joy of Easter didn't unfold all at once. Like the whole joy of Easter wasn't encountered fully on Easter Sunday for them. It was something that still had a lot of fear and uncertainty and like confusion, but really only gradually got resolved over a period of time, even after that moment of joy. And for a lot of us, we're going through that same sort of, like, we're, we're getting all kinds of similar temptations, you know, to run away from the cross that we are being given in this time of uncertainty. Um, we might be tempted to, right, sort of deny that we should have a faith life during this, right, to, to run away from Christ, to run away from the sacrifices we're asked to make. Um, but at the same time, we have this opportunity to stand at the foot of the cross with Mary, to contemplate, right, to reflect on the way in which we can find Christ in these times of suffering. Um, and so there's a way in which we can encounter this, this Holy Week in a really unique and I think potentially really profound and beautiful way. Um, but we have to be open to the fact that it's not going to be like any Easter you ever celebrated before. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm... I'm really interested how it's gonna go because I feel like there's been this period of time obviously no one could have predicted but also I feel like no one can predict how we're gonna react to it um, right. and I've been really overwhelmed and it, it's it's interesting to see the responses of like some of the teens that I've ministered to through Life Teen and like so many people are having really profound experiences of the Lord and being like I felt Jesus more clearly present in my room watching the live stream than I did when I was actually at Holy Hour, which I think is a really interesting response um, that Jesus is so tenderly like meeting them where they're at. And also people have a certain degree of openness due to so many different factors right now. But I agree this Easter is not going to be like anything that we've ever experienced before. And we have no way of knowing what it's going to be like. Yeah. Uh, same with Divine Mercy Sunday. Like I am pumped and ready and curious and yeah, it's going to be an interesting week. Yeah. Speaking of this week, 
do you have a YouTube video coming out tomorrow, which podcast world will have been yesterday, Sunday? Man, I hope so. Um, So I'm hoping to put out a YouTube video in like the next day or so on confession. Um, If I can sit down and do my editing tonight, Mm. I get it out tonight. We'll see. Um, It is, yeah, just sort of a a video, 10 tips uh, from a priest on how to make a good confession or how to make a better confession. Mm. And I put this together, even though I know a lot of people can't go to confession right now, um, for a lot of people, Holy Week or, you know, the weeks leading up to Holy Week are the times where they make like their one annual confession. Um, and so for a lot of people, I wanted this to be something they could take to reflect on as they were preparing. We're still offering confessions here. So for my parishioners, it'll be something that could potentially benefit them. Hmm. But this will be a, a perennial resource. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited. So yeah. watch that. What's your um, channel name for people? At- the happy priest of course um name is everywhere else yeah consistency um i did change my youtube name i don't know if i did that before or after sls i changed it to lives life um mm-hmm. because before it was like olivia roseart 78 or something which is like something i picked oh, 10. But yeah i also potentially have a video coming out tomorrow Do um, yeah so we i have to like we'll have to have like a competition or accountability with our videos or something yeah. Yeah, I, I pick Sunday as my day, and you, you kind of have been picking it, too, so. Yeah, I did Saturday last time, so we'll, maybe I'll do a Saturday every time. Yeah, um, I can't decide, though, so I have two, I can run this by you, so yeah. I, I have lots of ideas for videos, um, and I've kind of been going the more, like, vlog route, um, but I, so I have two options for tomorrow's video. I have a half-edited video I vlogged, um, Candlemas in February, yeah. um, I was reporting on like the Candlemas Mass at the cathedral for our Catholic newspaper. So I vlogged what my day looked like there. Um, That's obviously really old and like a lot of things have happened between then and now, Um, but it might be a nice throwback. Or um, I was thinking about recording a video of like how I organize my life a little bit as like a college student who like runs a podcast and such. Um, So like, planners and apps and such like so- I, I like the idea of the second one um and maybe i don't know if there's a way the, the real question is if there's a way to make it even more topical mm. you know? it's like how do i organize like not just as a student but like how do i organize when i'm in quarantine or you know mm. socially isolated or how do i organize when i'm at home yeah I okay i like that or just like how do I organize my life as a Catholic college student? Mm. Right. We get that niche down a little bit more. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Cause definitely, definitely the Catholic thing. How do I, how I organize prayer and such, um, organize prayer. That's a weird statement, but I think you know what I mean. Um, cool. Cool. I will I'd watch it. It'll be fun. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I haven't done like a sit down and talk video in a long time, but like I miss doing those. So yeah all right do we got anything else for the podcast or we sign off for now oh man i don't have anything else other than to tell everybody to follow you on twitter i guess i don't know um follow the podcast on all its media platforms um instagram twitter i don't think there's any tiktok 
No, no, not yet. Do we need to be on TikTok? No, no, we don't. No. Um, <laughs> we could be, but we're not. Yeah. And follow your YouTube channels. Yes. Yeah. YouTube channel. Follow me at the Happy Priest on everything. Mm -hmm. You're a lot simpler in that way. <laughs> Branding is strong. Yeah, you know, it's good. Um, all right, podcast listeners, we hope you are well and safe and enjoyed this very wonderful chit chat. Um, and we will talk to you next week. Keep on reaching to the heights. God bless. Thank you all so, so much for listening to the super fun episode, super chill um, Zoom episode um, from my bedroom. <laughs> um, it It is definitely different recording at home um, versus being anywhere else that we've recorded um my little home in the catholic tv recording studio in watertown but it's all good nonetheless father cassie and i had such a good conversation um i'm so grateful for him as a friend um and as a priest and all of the good things that he is doing for our church and for this world so if you want to follow him he is at the happy priest on all social media go check out his youtube video um that he might have posted yesterday slash over the weekend when this airs um, I also have a YouTube channel and will have recorded and posted a video yesterday. Um, my YouTube is lives life, L-I-V apostrophe S, life. Um, what else, what else? Um, be sure to check out all of the other podcasts in the Grexley Podcast Network at grexley.com. You can find the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, we've had some pretty cool guests recently. Um, trying to think we had bc's um liturgical music minister um who's just a dear friend and a beautiful father figure to me um meyer chambers he that is an incre incredible and very funny he has a crazy life story and we just banter and make fun of each other and it was a great episode highly recommend that one um we had an evangelization consultant from the archdiocese of boston talking about teen retreats in this particular retreat discipleship week um, he is a great friend as well, and that was an amazing episode. Um, Sister Christina Miriam from the Daughters of St. Paul, if you like Father Cassidy or a hashtag Pauline fanboy, um, be sure to check out that. You can find all of those wherever you listen to your podcasts or grexley.com. Um, we also have Patreon, patreon.com slash, or Patreon, oh dang it, it'll be in the show notes. Too many links. Um, but, um, we have special behind-the-scenes content and videos and text posts and such and everything there. Um, and we would be so, so grateful if you supported this ministry at Grexley as it gets off the ground. Um, we also have a red bubble shop and we have goat t-shirts um, and buttons and such and stickers. So that is all on grexley.com. Um, be sure to follow me on social media at oliviarose underscore art or find me at oliviaroseart.com. Um, here is a little, if you have made it all the way to the end, here is something kind of kind of cool, little little inside glimpse for you guys. I um, am working on a new little ministry. Um, I am working on a Catholicism and mental health blog um, with the same team writing approach that you see in sites like Blessed Is She, um, where it's a team of writers who come together um, to produce the real stories of mental health and mental illness in the Catholic Church and our experiences and our struggles and our tips and our joys and our beauty um, and any, any stories that want to be shared there. So 
if you have any interest, if this sparks joy in your heart, um, I know I've mentioned it briefly on the podcast before, kind of unofficially, and I had some people reach out to me, but I am amassing that team of writers. So if there's someone you know who has um, a story that they want to share um, of their experience of mental illness as a Catholic um, and how that interacts with our faith um, for the better or for worse, um, and what people can learn from our joy and our stories and our experiences, because our stories have power, and that is something that I talked to Sister Christina about. Um, we might not think that our stories are important, we might think that they're boring because we live them every day, but they are so, so incredibly powerful, and they were one of the greatest gifts that we have to give to other people. So, if that sounds like you or someone that you know, please, please reach out to me. Um, my email is on my website, oliviarosart.com, or you can always reach out to us um, through, there's a form on the Grexley website under To The Heights or To The Heights podcast at gmail.com. Um, any of those ways, DM me, whatever. Um, get to me. There are a million ways on the internet. The internet is an amazing place. Um, all right, that is all I have for now. I hope that you are all well. I hope that um, you are staying safe and healthy, um, and not losing your mind <laughs> in this crazy time. Be gentle on yourself, be so gentle, um, and remember what I was talking about, about the whole dialectical holding two truths. You can be grateful for this time, and you can rest in it, um, and use this time to better yourself, but you can also be a puddle, and, um, you can be sad, you can be angry that you don't have access to the sacraments, you can be struggling and frustrated, you can hold those two truths because they are both true at the same time, and that is where you will find peace. Be gentle on yourselves, stay well, God bless, and keep on reaching to the heights, and I will talk to you next week. Mm -hmm.